G'day everyone. I've got online today, I've got Daniel Murray. Now, Daniel used to be a, he used to work in strategy in the big banks in Australia and he's left that world and he's now working for, for himself pretty much, but he's working as a, as a consultant, trainer and also a speaker on the topic of strategic empathy. Now, strategic empathy is really interesting because it's, we kind of cross paths and, and um, follow the same path in many cases in terms of how we approach dealing with the problems of business. And the thing that I think that a topic like empathy has, like something with per like purpose, is that it sounds like a soft skill. And soft skills are sometimes hard to, to sell or to get through, but the soft skills actually end up being the hardest. So with that little introduction, g'day, Daniel. Hey, Stephen, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, good, good. How are you doing? Yeah, really good, really good. So tell me, um, just very, very quickly, wh like what problem do you solve? We've talked about empathy, but uh, ha what's the problem that you're solving? It sounds like the solution is empathy, but what's the problem? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good point. The, the problem um, that we're solving is uh, actually understanding each other. Now, what, what I tend to find, and you might find this as well in your work, Stephen, is that um, we spend a lot of time on spreadsheets um, doing fancy uh, diagrams and making assumptions and predictions about what will drive people's behavior. So if we reduce the price by X percent, then this many more people will buy. And then we do that and it doesn't happen. <laughs> people don't actually buy the product. And uh, we think, well, let's make it better or, or fancier or improve packaging. We, we try and do all these different things um, to get a reaction or an outcome for from our customers that we desire empathy is really the process of understanding what drives their behavior now when we don't have anything in that space we fill it with our own assumptions so what would cause me to buy more what would improve my experience in a customer landscape you know if i went to a uh, if you went to a restaurant and thought, well, I love big meals, therefore to make my customers happier, I'm going to double the size of the meals. Well, that might be fantastic if you're the only person eating there. But for a lot of people, that won't drive their, their, uh, their culinary experience. That won't make them feel better about it. So empathy is really being able to park our own assumptions and beliefs, park what we think is important, then step into the world of our customer or our uh, ideal customer and explore and understand what it is that drives their decision-making process. Yeah, because re really that sounds ultimately like a marketing question because really that's what marketing is about, like getting in the head of your consumer and finding out what it is they want and doing it. And it sounds almost cliche and almost too easy to say, oh, let's get in the mind of our customers. Mm. But it's not as simple as saying it, is it? Well, it's not because um, you've got to remember... Humans have in our heads about 85 billion neurons connected through trillions of pathways. It's the most complex system in the known universe, the human brain. And we don't really understand how it works perfectly. We have some ideas, we have some um, good theories, uh, some great models and a lot of research. But the reason why you do what you do is not well understood, either by scientists uh, by other people or even by ourselves. Uh, you'll know this as well as I do. We do things for reasons that uh, aren't easy to explain up front. And um, 
you know, if I was to say, why do you like one pair of socks over another pair of socks? You sort of go, well, they sort of look better. They feel nicer. You'll give me some reasons, but you didn't necessarily line all those reasons up at the point of sale when you bought them. Now, part of it is a marketing question, um, yeah. but it goes beyond just marketing. Uh, it goes more to what motivates people. What are they, um, what, what impassions on them, what enrages them. I think there's a, a broader sense of understanding human behavior that empathy helps us unlock. Do you think sometimes that empathy, so this could go down a rabbit warren of philosophy. Um, Sam, Sam Harris, the famous philosopher says that um, we don't have any free choice in our minds. Um, and the example he says, he's like, okay, um, what's your next thought going to be? And you don't know what that next thought is going to be until it's happened. Yep. Um, why did you choose the coffee instead of the tea? Well, you don't know. You think you wanted coffee, but where did that thought come from? So if you go down that philosophical rabbit hole, then, and if you accept that, which I'm not saying you do, but there is an element of we don't know why we chose. We don't know why we went left instead of right coming to work, why we chose the scenic route instead of the other one. It's a mood thing. So, okay, where did the mood come from? And then um, what made the mood happen? So that's yep. something external. So you get down this really, really deep channel. So the question, I suppose, around that is, or the t the, what I'm looking for is, sometimes the customer, I think often, if not most times, the customer doesn't know why they like Pepsi instead of Coke, but you have to get into their, you have to try to understand where they're coming from empathetically when they might not even know where they're coming from themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Look, let, let me break down um, the three spaces of empathy that I help people really dive into. Um, and that might help unpack this a little bit more. So there's three major areas that we talk about in terms of what drive behavior. There's rational thought, big brain, cerebral yep. cortex, uh, calculative thought, rarely used by the human brain, um, not for, for, for very basic reasons that it uses up lots of power, it takes lots of time. And if our, our distant ancestors sat around wondering whether you know, they were going to be able to outrun the line depending on the terrain and, and you know, their ability to run, they were going to be dead before they even started, right? So the, but the rational brain is there and it works very well. We then have um, emotional drivers, and these include moods and feelings. Um, they're influenced by a whole bunch of different factors. And understanding some of those emotional drivers is really important. Uh, the third is contextual drivers. Now, you and I both know that um, we aren't the same person all the time. There's this yep. um, underlying hypothesis that we're an executive that sits in our, our head and controls everything that we do and we feel like that's true. Um, but most good research says that that's probably not true. And there's a lot of really interesting theories around modular brain theory, for example, that shows that or, or suggests that in certain situations, we act vastly different from others. So let's say, I know you're Italian, let's say you're driving down uh, the Amalfi Coast, you're in your convertible, you're on holidays. Two weeks. There you go, beautiful. So you still be you, right? You'll be driving this down will be me. And you'll be, you're looking around, you'll be taking in the sunshine. You'll be I'm out the window, gold chain. Going, driving slow and just enjoying it, right? Not slow, not slow. You're not Italian. Don't drive <laughs> Please, slow. Okay, you're probably, this is probably going to wreck my example. But uh, let's say you're doing that and someone drives up behind you in their Audi or Alfa Romeo and they're beeping the horn, they're trying to get past and they're annoyed and aggressive. At that point, you go, 
oh, what's their problem? Look how beautiful this place is. Why don't they just relax and slow down? But you also know that when you're rushing to get to a meeting and, you know, even down the sidewalk, you're walking to a meeting through the city and there's people walking slow in front of you, your reaction is, ah, oh, these idiots, why don't they get out of the way? Yeah. And Absolutely. we're different people, aren't we? Yeah. In the context of we're on holidays, we're relaxed and calm. And then we also take that further to go, well, I'm going to judge the behaviours of others based on how I'm feeling at this moment in my context. So they're idiots and they're, they should just slow down. And then conversely, I'm going to judge these other people going, why are they walking so slow and, and they're annoying? And uh, this is different contextual parts of our or contextual processing within our brain driving our decision making. Um, this has a big impact for customers, right? And consumers, because yeah. you've got to understand the context upon which they're coming in. You, if I was going to be designing a, uh, a coffee shop where people walked in and walked out, you know, an express coffee shop. Well, the context of people walking in and out of that shop will be different from a coffee shop that I'm building for people to come in, sit down and have a long conversation. Yep. Because the customers, I might be a customer that goes to both, but I go to them with very different purposes in, in different contexts. And if I walk into the, the slow coffee shop and I'm you know, in a hurry and I'm tapping my feet, I'm not going to have a good experience, even though I might have a good experience the next day when I go in there, sit down and have a coffee. And, and you, you just, you just said the word that just rings in my head. You said about purpose, and this becomes a marketing question as well. Um, that coffee shop, the hole in the wall, its purpose is to provide quick coffees to people on the run. Yes. The context is the people on the run. Now, as th their execution has to be that. They, their execution can't be art artistic love hearts and all that sort of stuff. Um, so when they're not doing that, they're not empathetic to what's going on in the customer's world because they're not just there to, to admire your coffee making skills, it's get in and get out quickly. And I mean, going back to Italy, if you've been there, you'll know that the coffee bars are just, they're just lined up, usually an aluminium top thing. And there's a big coffee machine behind them and they just pump these things out super quickly. The coffee is just about to stop for a minute, grab your coffee and on you go. There's not even, there's no even sitting down. That's right. If the context was this artistic thing, people would be like, what, what, you know, what are you doing? That's right. So this, so you're talking about empathy in a contextual format as well as just the, the boring old, oh yeah, let's just get into the customer's head. Yeah, cool. Well, you can get it. I don't even know why they're there. You just know that they're there because they're rushed. That's actually interesting. They are there because they are rushed. So although they don't know why they're there, the fact is that they are there and you're providing something that deals with rush. Well, so, and I think where it gets really important, um, Steve, is, is being, it's very hard to design a big system that can adapt quickly to individual behavior and, and, and uh, the, the sort of fickle nature of humans. Um, and so therefore it's the ability for individual humans at, the, at those points of, of experience to know both their contextual purpose, but also be able to adapt that based on what they're seeing from the person. So for example, let's say you've got the, the slower uh, Australian type coffee shop, sit down, have a yarn, but you notice someone comes in and they look like they're in a rush and they're agitated. Yeah. The Absolutely. ability for a person to be able to see that, um, recognize the, uh, the context and the emotions, adapt their behavior and provide an amazing experience might mean stepping outside of 
some of the processes and systems that the organization has built and is focused on, but it is about the person going, I recognize that I'm here to create a great experience for this person and I can do that by adjusting my behavior. That skill is important. That's where empathy comes in. So I I have this similar issue with, from a customer service perspective that um, one, one of the pieces of work that I do is we, we do like an, an, it's an Enneagram, which is nine type personality types of people. And, you know, you, you tend to have different, you know, introvert, extrovert is a, is a very basic example. But the person serving might be, let's use that as a simple example, a complete introvert. And the person being served is a complete extrovert. The extrovert, the, the two kind of can rub each other. It's very hard for the introvert to come out of their skin and serve that and to match where that other person is. Now that's a very crude example, but it's one everyone kind of gets their head around. You've got a similar thing going on in your approach with empathy of like, how do I get this person to that or that person to this? Yeah, so look. What do you do? What's, how do you do that? Like I suppose that we, we could talk philosophically about this stuff for a long time, I think, but how do you actually get that done in a, in a, in a large corporate, let's say, yeah. Um, so let me break it down in two ways. One, um, as an, at an individual level, and then the second would be at a, at a larger organizational level. Yeah, sure. Um, so at an organizational level, let's start there. The, the key is to have behaviors that form fundamental parts of your culture that reinforce the ability to build empathy. So you actually need to have, you need to have processes, systems, behavior, things that drive people's behaviors. So for example, if you're wanting to, um, if you're wanting to build deep understanding of your customers and um, that takes uh, three phone calls or three good conversations and meetings to be able to do that effectively, but you, your processes demand that, uh, people close sales on the second call right. at last, well, then you're expecting your people to fail, right? You're setting them up to fail. Yeah. So at an organizational level, I think it's really key that we don't, um, we don't misconstrue uh, or we don't d- design processes and systems, which will actually defeat our underlying purpose. Yeah. And so there's this piece of strategy there. Um, at a individual level, um, this is where my focus is on how do we give people uh, the skills to build empathy as a process. And so you mentioned the idea of the introvert extrovert. Um, the first step uh, in my process for building empathy, particularly in this idea of strategic empathy, is being consciously curious. Right. Now, what consciously curious means is that my focus is to understand the other person and to do that fully, I actually have to park my own beliefs and assumptions about this person. And this, you know, when you look at research by people like Daniel Goleman and uh, all the grandfathers of, uh, of behavioral economics and, and behavioral sciences, uh, self-regulation, uh, self-awareness and self-regulation are really critical for this step. So being able to recognize that, okay, I'm, let's say I'm a quiet introverted type person. Um, The person I'm about to meet is different from me. Therefore I will initially have certain uh, biases and assumptions that I apply to that person. 
you know, a, a quiet introverted person might look at someone who's loud and, um, and uh, extroverted and think, well, that's because they're arrogant, obnoxious, da, 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 da. Now, if they take those beliefs into this conversation that they're about to have, they're almost certainly not going to be able to understand that point, person's point yeah. of view. Because I'll give you the tip, it's rare that that person who's an extrovert sits there and says, oh, yeah, well, I'm uh, arrogant and you know, obnoxious and loud. And uh, that's just not how they see the yeah. world, right? So part of cu conscious curiosity is saying, I have assumptions, I have beliefs, I need to park them. I need to push them aside and I need to start with a blank piece of paper. So in some ways, I guess, uh, what I'm suggesting is when you want to build empathy, the perfect state is for you yourself to be um, taken out of the situation. Your personality, your beliefs, your views of the world, as much as we can, try and quieten them down. Especially in a sales environment, which we haven't talked about because this is the thing I find through my like, like you, I speak at conferences, um, but my, I've also got a business that measures customer service through mystery shopping. And I'm stunned, especially in the car industry, where the salesperson, and it's men and women now, they uh, prejudge the person being served immediately. Like, yep. it's the whole, nah, mate, I can, the moment, the minute they walk in, I can tell. I can tell if they're going to buy. I can tell by the car they've rocked up in. I can tell by, I don't know, the hair follicles. Yep. It's, it's a ridiculous proposition, but it's still ingrained. It, it is. And in some ways, mate, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? So if they say, oh, yeah. this person looks like, they're, they're, you know, a person in a pair of shorts and a singlet walks into the um, BMW dealership, yeah. And the, the person, the salesperson in their nice uh, outfit says, oh, they haven't got any money. They're never yeah. going to buy a car. Yeah. Well, I guarantee you they won't buy a car of you. Yeah, exactly. Because you're going to walk in with, yeah. you're walking into that conversation with this judgment of who they are, how much money they've got and, and what they believe in, what they want. So, so how do you break that down? Like, because this, this is the guts of it now. You've got that salesperson. They need to be empathetic. And you're actually suggesting emptying your own vessel. Yep. Starting with the blank side. Receptive. Absolutely. Um, and is, then, is, that, is that is that your first step? Is it the two steps? Like, how, how do you go through this process with organisations? Yeah. So step one. So we'll go through a four-step process. Step one is what we call consciously curious. Acknowledge you've got these behaviour, these beliefs, these views. Try and park them. Hard to do. Much easier to talk about than it is to do. But uh, really important to be able to do to build empathy. Step two is what I call openly exploring. So now it's about asking questions. Salespeople um, who do this well are, are super high performers and people who do this poorly struggle to get results. And so if I look at exploring in two different ways, exploring in um, the, the traditional way is I'm gonna ask you questions to validate what I already think might be true so that I can sell you what I wanted to sell you in the first place. Um, you know, there's an example I, I love using, um, someone walks into Bunnings and says, I need a five mil drill bit. And you know, the, the shop attendant there at Bunnings is a, is an expert in drill bits. And they say, well, do you want the cobalt drill bit or do you want the wood tip drill bit? Uh, I've got titanium nitride drill bits. And they go through a list of 32 different five mil drill bits that they've got. All that does is 
it's an exploration based on their perception of the world. You see, they've taken all of their experience and beliefs into that conversation. Yeah. Empathy is actually turning the whole thing around and saying, okay, um, person wanting the drill, Mr. Jones, who's walked in wanting the drill bit, Mr. Jones, why is it that you want to drill a five mil hole? No one wants a drill bit, right? They want a five mil hole. So why do you want to drill that five mil hole? Oh, well, I'm looking to hang up a painting. All right, well, what sort of wall is it that you're hanging the painting up in? And what sort of painting is it? Tell me more about it. Once you could, if you were to have a conversation with that guy about him hanging his family, you know, portrait on the wall because he's just, you know, he and his family had this beautiful portrait done and his wife's sick and da, da, da. If you get to that space, you'll serve that customer in a way that they'll walk out going, that was the best experience of my life. The first example does nothing. It's an attempt to show how smart I am and how many things that I know. Listen to all the drill bits that I can offer you. And it sits nowhere in the customer's world. The second example is actually forget about me. It's not about me. It's not about my expertise. It's about you and your experience. So let me step into that world and explore with you. So openly exploring is how do I ask the questions which will open up the amount of information I need to build empathy and understanding. And once we've done that, yep. sorry, go. so yeah, consciously curious, openly explore. Step three is now being able to take that new information in and challenge my old beliefs. So this is the sort of software update process we go through where we say, okay, now that I've, now that I've under, I had preconceived ideas of these people, you know, a person who comes in, uh, in jeans and a t-shirt won't be buying my Ferrari, for example, that was my old belief. I've now met, understood and spoken with this person and, and built a deeper understanding of them. Now I need to update my mental model about that type of person or that person in particular. And with that new updated uh, version of the world, then I can start to create the experience that, that will actually service them. And that's sort of step four. I call it leading with empathy where at, at step four, we're starting to try and design an experience or create an experience for someone which actually makes it amazing for them. So you're doing this at, at, at an individual level, person by person. Absolutely. Look, it's a, it's a simple practice. Um, and it's hugely powerful when you can uh, build it authentically. The challenge with doing this sort of stuff at scale is if I give you the questions to openly explore, they won't work in every situation. Yeah. This is inter it's interesting. You've mentioned that Punning's example because through the mystery shopping business, I my clients are everything from Thai retailers to hotels to stationery stores to to banks, and they all try to measure this level of engagement, this this questioning, this open questioning. That's the whole. Yeah, well, what are you trying to do? Because the the trick, and especially, I'll go back to car dealerships, they pull out the big trifold brochure and banks do it as well. They go, well, this product's got these things and this product's got these extra ones and these has got the extra ones. And you're sitting there going like, yeah. completely confused. Um, so what the better organisations, let's call them better, are trying to do is encourage this opening, open questioning. And we actually measure that. So we don't actually say, we don't actually measure did they ask you the purpose of drilling the hole in the wall? We'll actually ask, did they ask open questions and did they engage with that? Could you have a conversation around it? Because we all know that that leads to the sale. I like the fact that that's jammed in the middle of these other bits on top and the bottom, which is this whole 
this conscious emptying, and it's got to be, a, I'm calling it conscious emptying, you've got to consciously do that. You won't, because you won't subconsciously do it. That word conscious is really important there. Yeah. You've got to let it go. You've got to open the valve and get yeah. out of yourself, get out of your own way. Totally. I mean, your brain is hardwired to make assumptions. Completely, because it's shortcuts and it's efficient, and that's how we can get through the world very easily in a, in a short Absolutely. Time. And it keeps you alive, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you, if you make assumptions, um, uh, when you make assumptions about things happening, um, you're always on a, a, in a position of higher alert and yeah. more ready to react. So, you know, I always use the example, two guys walking through the, the, the jungle, you know, 2000 years ago or something. Uh, one of them, they hear a rustling in the bushes and one of them makes the assumption that rustling in the bushes equals tiger and runs. The other one says, well, it might be a tiger, but it might not. I'm going to be curious here and I'm going to hang around and see what happens. Well, I can tell you one of them had a better option, opportunity to pass on their genes than the other. Yeah. Um, and, and it's those ones that we've inherited the genes from, right? So we have a naturally cautious brain. Uh, it's filled with assumptions and particularly about other people, you know, assumptions about people who've got, uh, you know, long beards and ride Harleys must be X. Yeah. Well, we know that that's not true, right? Because we, you can go and find a hundred examples of where those people just don't follow any of those well-defined rules, but our brain is still hardwired to, to have that assumption process built in. So consciously stepping past is important. And the, and the reason is that the, the false positive that, that, that let's say that 90 times out of a hundred, if that's being not generous to them, people that look like that are completely harmless. So 90 times out of a hundred, you're right. But 10 times out of a hundred, you're right. Sorry. Ten, nine times out of nine times out of 10, you're actually incorrect, but th there's no consequence of being wrong. Yeah. There's no consequence to the caution. That's right. There is a consequence to thinking I'll see what the rush, rustling in the bushes is. It's high risk, zero reward. Well, it is actually to just walk away unless you're dying of starvation and you're looking for food. It is, but when we're not, the two things are important there. One, we're not in that world anymore. Correct. The world's not that dangerous anymore. Yep. Um, we've never lived in a safer time in human yep. history. But, but two, what we're talking about is um, we're trying to create customer experiences in the most diverse world that we've ever lived in. Right. So the beauty of uh, the Italian coffee shops, uh, particularly a couple of hundred years ago, for example, was that the type of people that went in there were incredibly homogenous. Yep. Now, of course, everyone ha is unique in their own way, but it was rare that t in that time, you know, a Korean person would walk in and then an Australian person would walk in and then, you know, that just would never happen back then. And so the experience I created that, that in that uh, coffee shop was for a specific type of homogenous person. Yeah. We now live in a world where your coffee shop will have people from different nationalities, age groups, ethnicities, um, you know, speaking different languages, uh, different sexual orientations, the, the diversity of the number of people that we're going to interact with in any business now is exponentially bigger than it's ever been before. Yep. So where in the past, my assumptions I created on, well, if you're coming into my coffee shops, cause you're in a rush and you want to go fast 
And I make that assumption because 99 out of 100 customers that came in the door did exactly the same thing. My assumptions work really well and therefore they're good shortcuts. You, we're not in that world anymore. Yep. We're in a world of high diversity. And so what I need to be able to do is have more flexibility in my, ability, in my way to connect with individual customers so that I can create amazing experiences for them. So, so you're doing it at a, so you're, you're implementing or dealing with strategic empathy at both the corporate level in terms of the processes, yep. but also at the individual level, let's call it sales training. Because that's right. Yeah. The best salespeople are the ones with empathy. They can put themselves in the outlet, but, but the, they don't know the how to do that. So that's where you get involved. You do that training to dismantle what they, what they think is the best way to sell something. They not actually, they know the best way to sell something. It's just that they won't do it. Yeah. Well, all the problem sometimes I've found is they, um, they find a way that works for a couple yeah. of clients. And then they assume that is the way. And, and this is one of the challenges I have with some um, sales gurus and training uh, books that are out there is that they say, well, here's the five steps. Just follow these five steps. And it'll oh, work. Me nuts. The seven steps too. Yeah. I mean, I, I um, had a, uh, someone sent me a message, um, you know, through LinkedIn or something saying here's I've built the program to automate relationship building. Yeah. And when I heard those words, it, it took me a couple of minutes to go, hang on, that doesn't feel right because relationship building uh, is not about just connecting with people and tricking them into listening to you more. You know, it's really about building deep understanding and, um, and that's where empathy comes in. I, from my perspective, what we're really trying to do is whether you're a salesperson, whether you're a leader, whether you're in a service role, um, how can I use empathy to understand what the person who I'm dealing with, what their needs are, what they love, what they hate, what, what's important to them, what are their drivers. Once I understand those drivers, I start to build a sense of trust. Yep. And with, with in whatever relationship, uh, whether it's commercial or personal, once you've developed trust, there's a great deal more commitment in the relationship from both sides. Yep. And what we want as uh, salespeople, as business owners, is our, our customers, our employees, to, to be committed to our purpose, to have a, a sense of commitment and, and engagement with what we do and who we are. And so this is where empathy becomes a really powerful tool to be able to build that. Cool. And it's, and it's, that's where it's not a soft skill. I mean, empathy leads to sales. Absolutely. 100%. It just sounds, it sounds like it's a soft skill, but it leads to sales. It's like purpose. I, I talk about purpose. If you know the reason for your coffee shop, then you know how to set up for it. And you might be happy not to serve those five people out of a hundred who are looking for the fancy coffee. You'd be happy to let that go, but it gives you that you could, you're not doing a strategic hurdle. And that's what a lot of people end up doing. They heard, they just put their feet on both sides of the fence. Yeah. So uh, uh, let me give you a really great example um, of a salesperson who, who nails this. She's a really great friend of mine and she's um, an absolute guru in, in sale selling with empathy. Um, they sell radio ads for um, a large radio station. She went to a client and uh, her, one of her salespeople beneath her said, come to this client with me, we're gonna sign this deal, it'll be 15 grand radio commercial, started up. Uh, she went there and as they were on the way there, she looked at the, the, the business's website on her phone 
and it looked terrible. The website wasn't very functional. It didn't work very well. Uh, it wasn't mobile friendly. She got there and started asking questions of the business owner. So where are you up to? What do you need to do? And he said, oh, we need to drive sales. We're, you know, this is where we're up to. And, um, uh, you know, we, we, we need to build our, our lists and da, 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 da. She said, okay, here's the deal. Um, don't buy advertising. Spend your $15,000 getting your website fixed up, getting it mobile friendly, and we can put you in touch with some people who can help you do that. Yeah. And then in three months' time when your website is humming, then come back to us because what I don't want to do is take your money and drive sales to you now that are mostly going to fall, most of those sales are going to fall through, right? They're not going to convert. They're not going to land because the experience people are going to have at the, at the site is going to let you down. Now, when she walked out of that meeting, her salesperson was like, yeah. what the, <laughs> I was going to get 15 grand. She said, look, be really clear. They'll come back to us in three months and they'll stay with us for the rest of their, their yeah. business career. But that's, that, that's an interesting loop back to the beginning because at the beginning we spoke about people not, consumers not necessarily, not, not just not necessarily, consumers not knowing why they've come to you, why they've made a purchase decision. We as the salespeople, it's incumbent on us to actually work that out when they don't know it themselves. This business owner didn't know what their true problem was. They didn't know their website was shite. They just, but it took someone to look at it cleanly and with empathy and, and a bit of, and a lot of trust and self-respect, like respect to say like, I'm not going to rip these people off Yeah. Um, to do that because they didn't know. And that's the really interesting thing looping back that the customer just does not know why they've made the decision. It's up to us to read their brains, which yeah. sounds so hard, but it's actually not that difficult when you go through a couple of very simple steps, like especially your first one, but just getting rid of yourself first. Yeah. And, and, you know, if I think about those steps, what I really saw from this person was when they're at that final step of understanding where that person's up to in their business, what's going on, you know, it was clear to them that they were, they're in a state of stress. They were feeling like they're under pressure and they needed to do something to drive sales. And at that point, it's really easy from a sales perspective to talk that person into buying advertising. You know, yeah. advertising will drive this many people to the website. Then, but the the beauty of this uh, example is the person is going. Well, actually, let me step out from just the client. This yeah. is not about a transaction. This is about understanding and being a partner for this person's business. If I step out at this broader level, what's going to happen when I start pumping clients through? Because they'll come through through the sale. They won't be able to convert, and the outcome for that person is therefore going to fall through. And yeah. if my if my purpose is to sell advertising, okay, fine. But if my purpose is to help business owners grow their business, well, then there's only one right thing to do, isn't there? Well, see, okay, we're getting to the end of the interview, but that is a really profound thing you just said. If the purpose is to sell advertising, it's not valid. It's not a valid purpose to sell advertising. Correct. Because that is not... Um, you know, I've got my own set. I've got seven seven rules as to what makes up a valid purpose. That's not one of them. However, to help small businesses grow their sales is what I would call a valid purpose. So, if you've got your mindset in the right space, there, you're off to the races. If you haven't, you're just going to get up there, starting line, make a bit of money, and then you're going to collapse. So, that's a really important and interesting distinction you just made there. And this is where, when I talk about, are your 
organizational systems, processes, etc., align to the right uh, behaviors. Yep. So, for example, if your purpose was, um, and, and in this organization, you know, their KPIs are set out around how do you develop sales. But this leader also looks at a team and says, what's our retention rates? Yeah. What's, what's our, you know, how many of our deals fall through after a few months? Yeah. And she knew that while they could have got a tick in one of the boxes, immediate sale, that they were going to lose on these other metrics yeah. later on. Yeah. And so you need to have, it's good to have a purpose and lots of organizations have a, have a purpose, but whether your organizational uh, metrics and operating procedures align with that purpose well, that's really going to determine whether the purpose is put into action or if it sits on the wall and no one, you know, it gets ignored. And that's, yeah. that's a really key part. So what, what I really want to focus on in, in terms of empathy is it's not a um, wishy-washy word that we talk about, we sit around and, you know, um, sing mantras about. It's a practice. It's a yeah. set of steps and behaviours that we have to put in place daily to make sure we're developing and building this skill to help bridge that gap between what are we trying to achieve? What's our purpose and what do we do and how do we, we bring that to life every day? Which warms my heart. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with a story that I heard yesterday from a client and uh, he, he's, he runs a big training part of his organization and he said he has to encourage franchisees to sign up to the training. It's like 150 bucks a session. It's not much. But he talks to them and says, look, you, you know, you, you all play, you, you play sport, right? And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is in a big conference situation. And how many of you play sport? They put their hands up. Um, do you get paid for it? And how many get paid for it? None of them put their hand up. Do you go training? And, you know, a couple of them put their hand, you know, put their hand up and say, yeah, once or twice a week. And he says, well, you're, you're going training to develop skills in something that is not your profession. And yet you're not prepared to do to train yourselves on the thing that is your profession like where does that make sense <laughs> and it's kind of kind of hit me it's like i've never heard it put that way but it's exactly what you're talking about empathy is a skill like passing a football hitting a tennis ball that you you've just got to keep working at it you just don't get it and you go i've ticked i've got my empathy box ticked yeah correct this needs training it needs reinforcement it needs practice it needs yep. failure it needs mentors. It needs all of those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I'm going to leave you with that thought. So, I just it just hit me yesterday, and, and you've just brought up something so similar, which is interesting. So, what parting words of wisdom would you give give anyone um, listening in or still listening to our one hour hour of rambling away here? <laughs> um, look, if um, if you want to make sure that. Uh, you're creating great experiences for your customers. So if you've got this purpose and you're wanting to create great experiences for your customers, know that each of your customers is a beautiful individual who thinks differently and may think differently at different points in time. The more you can understand them, the deeper uh, the level of trust you'll build with them. And once you build that trust, you'll get the commitment that both of you really want in the relationship. So um, empathy is this really great tool to help us link purpose to our committed customers through actual practice. And now everyone will know why I interviewed Daniel Murray. <laughs> <laughs>
we, we, we're in a very similar space. So Daniel, how, how can people get hold of you? Um, uh, so, so what do you do precisely? Like what, what are the, the, the things that you do for people precisely in a, in a minute or so? And then where do they get hold of you? Cool. So uh, lots of ways people engage me. Uh, professional speaking. So I speak at conferences, leadership offsites, uh, team days, those sorts of things. Um, and there's a range of different things we can focus on there. Uh, I also run training workshops for, for leaders and organisational teams. And we're starting to run a series of those um, in the next few months. Uh, best way to get in touch, either check out my LinkedIn profile, if you look up Daniel Murray and Pathic Consulting on LinkedIn, you'll find me there. Uh, or my website, which unfortunately at today's date is is down at the moment, but uh, hopefully we have uh, anytime soon. EmpathicConsulting.com. You can find out some information there. Um, but yeah, find me through, through through LinkedIn. Reach out, say hello, and uh, I always find it really great to chat to organizations and people who want to make a change in the space.